Good morning, church. Listen, I want to tell you up front today, I'm a Clemson fan. Um, you may not know that by my outfit, but I'm a Clemson fan. But I also want you to, to, to let you know up front, I'm for two things all the time. I love these two things. You ready? I love when droughts come to a close, and I love when miracles happen. Okay, so if you're a Carolina fan, give it up for your team. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. That's okay. That's okay. We tried to get Shane Beamer to preach today. He said no. Um, he's, he's in a different church, but no, I'm just kidding. My name is Bryce Holman. I'm our pastoral intern. I'm excited to be with you today as the uh, video just showed a second ago. We're starting a brand new sermon series today. It is an Advent season sermon series. Is anybody excited for Christmas? Can we just collectively say that we are? Okay, cool. So um, this series, as we announced it last week, Pastor Chad was over in traditional in the sanctuary, and he got the series title wrong. He said, next week, we're starting a sermon series. It's called Who's Marrying Bryce? That's what it's called. <laughs> now, I'd be okay with either of those sermon series. If we end up doing that later, I will gladly preach in it. Um, however, that is not the one for today. We're starting a brand new one called Mary and Bright. And the, the, the heartbeat for our church behind this sermon series is moving into the Christmas season. It seems to be that those that are far from God are most receptive to God's message, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ during this season of the year, during the Christmas, the Advent season. So we want to talk about for the next few weeks, how do we as people become people sent on mission to be merry and bright in a world that is the exact opposite, in a world that's dark, that's broken, where sin presides in many places and many people. I was thinking about this message this past week, and I was reminded of some Christmas traditions that our family has. Maybe you can relate with the best one of all. That is on Christmas morning, coming downstairs and seeing a bunch of presents, right? As kids, my brother and I would come downstairs and we would wake up to gifts and we'd start opening these, these gifts. I would go twice the speed as, as my brother was going because I was excited about this. So we'd all get done opening gifts. And there was always this expectation that the greatest gift that had yet to be opened was upstairs. You see, that's where the Xboxes were, you know? That's where the PS4 was, the more expensive gifts, if I could say it that way. We always knew year after year, our parents were saving something super, super special, keeping us in expectation, teaching us patience on certain occasions to go upstairs and find it. Today, if you're taking notes, I want to talk to you just for a few moments about what I believe to be is the greatest gift of all time, the greatest gift ever. You see, I believe the greatest gift of all time is summarized in one verse out of many. We're going to read it in a moment. But I believe that the greatest gift comes in the form of God himself to this very earth to walk with people like you and I. John 3:16 is one of the most well-known verses, probably the most quoted verse, memorized verse in all the world from the entire Bible. It's going to be on the screen right now, and I want you to join me in reading this out loud together. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the promise that we just read. Thank you that it was not only a promise yesterday, it's a promise today. And if you give us a tomorrow, it will be on the table as a promise once again. Thank you for the greatest gift ever given in the form of yourself here on earth through Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. There's one key word. If we could throw that verse back up on the screen real quick, that'd be awesome. There's one key word that I want you to see from this verse. 
if it comes up. If it doesn't, I'll just tell you what it is. It's the word love. For this is how God loved the world. You see, in the New Testament, which was originally written in Greek, there are four different words in Greek that talk about this concept of love. And they mean four different things in relation to love. This one is the most powerful of the four. It is agape love. And this is an easy to understand definition of agape love. Actively doing what the Lord prefers with him by his power and direction. Now, you may notice that in that definition, three times is the Lord mentioned. Zero times are people mentioned. That's because this type of love is not one that automatically dwells within us. It's a type of love that must come from some other place, a higher power, if you will. That's God himself. It's the type of love that John 3.16 tells us God has for the world, including its people, his people. So today, if you're taking notes, I'd love to give you three things, very quick and easy things that agape love is. And the first one is this, agape love is bright. Very similar to these lights that are right in my eyes right now. Agape love is bright. You see, John 3.16 and John 3.17 are some of the most well-known verses, as we said, in all the world from the Bible. But if we were to read just a few verses on from there, we would hear Jesus say some pretty important things. John 3.18 says this, There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear that their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. They're doing things God's way. The key principle that Jesus wants to get across with not only John 3, 16 or 17, but onward through this very famous chapter is this. Light has entered into darkness and not only just darkness in general, but our darkness. You see, when Jesus is saying what he's saying in John chapter three, the Bible says that he is speaking to a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and if you know anything about the Pharisees during Jesus' time, they weren't best friends with Jesus. In fact, they wanted to get rid of Jesus. They felt that his message was ulterior to theirs, and they wanted to exit him from the scene. Nicodemus decided in and of himself to go in the evening so that it wouldn't arouse suspicion. He went secretly to Jesus in the night. And he starts to talk with Jesus and learn from Jesus and hear Jesus say these very things. What that shows us is that the light that has come into darkness, the message of the gospel, Jesus Christ here on earth, is not just a corporate thing. It is also a personal thing. Therefore, there's personal responsibility attached. Light has entered into darkness. If you think about the incarnation, that's a fancy way to say Jesus' birth here on earth. It's the thing that we celebrate at Christmas time. If you think back to that story, if you've heard bits and pieces of that story, or maybe the whole thing each year here in this very church, you probably know that the Magi traveled to where Jesus had been born in Bethlehem during the night. And what led them was a star, a shining star that stopped over the birth of Jesus, which is when they knew they had found the right place and the right person. 
There are these concepts left and right, if we will look for them, of light coming into darkness. In our culture today, I believe that there are two prominent questions as it relates to this concept. There are two prominent questions that might even be on your heart today during this very season as we move toward Christmas time. The first question is this, why in the world does God love the world? Why would he love the world if it's so bad, if it's so broken, and you tell me he's so holy and so righteous? Why would he love the world? The answer is found in the first two books, or sorry, the first two chapters of the first book in the Bible. Genesis 1 and 2 tell us about creation and how God has created everything. And prior to creating human beings, he creates a lot of what we see when we step outside. And he looks at it all. He says, this is good. But then he takes another step and he creates human beings, folks like you and I, and he says this is very good. It answers the question for us. This is why God loves the world, because he's created the world. In fact, the Bible says in those two chapters that he actually created the world to thrive and to flourish and to be good as it was created to be. But then there's a follow-up question. Why did God send rescue? We know the world is broken. We know the world is dark. We know that there's sin everywhere we turn. Why would God send rescue into that type of world? Genesis 3 is when sin enters the picture. Human beings see God. They understand God. They hear God's best way of doing things, this thing called life, and they choose something else. It's the same exact rhythm that takes place in each of our lives. That's why God sent rescue through the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that light has come into darkness. Jesus has come into darkness not to illuminate our sins for public shame. In the passage we just read later on in John 3, Jesus talks about if we are willing to come close to the light, we will have some things that are dark illuminated. That's speaking about the things happening behind closed doors that no one knows about other than you and God. That's speaking about the sins that we have wrestled with and struggled with and often given into when we're tempted to give into them, maybe that no one else knows about. The things in our life that are dark, God desires to illuminate, not for public shame, but for private change. He wants to transform us. He wants to transform our hearts, our minds, our physical bodies. He wants to restore to us the joy of that which he originally created. That's the kind of God we serve. And he's not illuminating sins in our life so that we can feel shame. And maybe today you've walked in and whether you want to admit it or not, you feel shame. You feel really ashamed. I'm here to let you know that that's not the voice of God that he desires you hear as you exit today. He wants to take that shame from you. And I believe that that's why he sent Jesus Christ to this very earth. You see, some of us have a fear that if that person in my life that I call my friend, maybe someone in my family that I'm really close to, actually knew all the deepest, darkest things about me, the secrets that I keep to myself, if they knew all of that, that relationship would never be the same. I found myself making that statement on so many occasions growing up, and let me tell you this, that statement is absolutely true, but it's not supposed to be a negative thing. If we are willing to surround ourselves with people that understand agape love, 
that have received it from God themselves and desire to show it to someone like us and walk alongside us the same way Jesus had, then what we will be willing to do is share with them the worst parts about us because we understand now that if I can illuminate things that are dark, God can heal things that are broken. That's how it works. For one reason or another, that's how God has designed it to be. And the question we have to wrestle with today that I believe Jesus would pose to us is do we have people that we trust enough to share with them the dark stuff, the stuff that hurts, the stuff that pains us to even think about right now? I hope the answer is yes. I pray that in this season, the answer would be yes. You see, this is where things become real for us when it comes to following Jesus. Knowing Jesus can happen like that. It can happen by praying a prayer. Your sins are forgiven. You're following Jesus. But following Jesus is a day-by-day, one foot in front of the other journey where God is going to point things out in our lives and ask us to give them up because they're not the best. They're not God's best. God's plan, God's purposes, God's way of doing this thing called life is truly the best. As we follow Jesus, I believe he'll lead us to one place in particular, that is all the world. Agape love is not just bright, it is also communal. Agape love is communal. That means beyond just you and I, but communal for everyone. The writer of the Gospel of John, his name is John. No news flash there. He writes a few more letters in the New Testament. And from 1 John chapter 4, this is what he says, starting in verse 19. He says that if we love each other because he loved us first, then if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see. How can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. That is extremely, extremely easy to post on Instagram and Facebook. It is really, really hard to actually live out when we exit our house. It's really difficult. It was funny, yesterday I was scrolling through Facebook and I start to see all these comments, right? After the Clemson Carolina game, like tons of people posting left and right, Carolina's awesome, 31, 30, 30, left and right, it was awesome. But I came across a few posts that I just felt like were trying to stir up controversy, you know? You know those types of posts that I'm talking about? You see, it's easy to say that we love people in fact, it's, it's as easy for me to say that I love my neighbor as it is for me to say I love Chick-fil-A because I do love Chick-fil-A. However, if I go through Chick-fil-A this week by Walmart and the spicy chicken sandwich does not taste right, I'm probably not gonna eat it. And there's probably gonna be about a period of 36 hours where I don't go to Chick-fil-A anymore. It's really easy to say. This type of love is different. This type of love is unconditional, is no strings attached, and it offers forgiveness left and right. Because that's the kind of God that we serve. Therefore, that's the kind of love that he's given us to use as well, to show as well. It's communal, agape love. This passage shows us and talks to us a little bit about love being initiated. The beautiful thing about the gospel is not that we came close to God in and of our own strength. 
it would be impossible, actually. Instead, the beautiful part of the gospel is that God has come close to us. In and of himself, he, for whatever reason, said, I see my people that I created in their brokenness, in their shame, in their sin, in their struggle, and I can't take it anymore. I gotta go help them. I'm sending rescue their way. Love was initiated first by God taking a leap of faith coming in the form of Jesus Christ to this very earth to walk alongside people like you and I. But it didn't stop with Jesus because Jesus made a crucial statement in John 17, I believe it is, it might be 16. Jesus says while he's here on earth, he says to his disciples and us today, I'm gonna go away soon. And when I leave, I'm not gonna leave you alone. I'm going to send you my spirit, God's spirit, to be within you and guide and lead you in this world, wherever you may go. It didn't stop with Jesus. In fact, I would argue that Jesus was a catalytic beginning in our story, that God took a step toward us, and now God is calling us to take a step toward the people who do things very differently than us, the people who don't vote like us, the people who don't think like us, the people who don't post like us, the people who don't talk like us, the people who will not set foot in any type of gathering like this unless maybe we take a step toward them first and begin to walk alongside them in the process. If I had to take a wild guess, I would say that over half of this room is probably like me in this one area. And that is that someone else in your past has walked alongside you to understand the good news of Jesus for yourself. And it changed everything for you. God has provided you and I with people that are living life chasing the same things we are. That's purpose, meaning, fulfillment, satisfaction, direction. Except they haven't found the greatest place that can offer them all of those things eternally yet. We've had our eyes open. Many of us have had the good news illuminated to us. We understand Jesus Christ for ourselves, and now God is calling us to mirror what he's done through Jesus toward us and take a step and walk alongside people who are hurting in this season, who are broken in this season. I was listening to an interview, more of a panel discussion, really, from two pastors. One's name is John Piper, and he said to this other pastor, he said, I never want somebody, after hearing me preach or coming to church or anything, to walk out and be angry at the culture. Instead, I want them to be heartbroken at the culture, for the culture. If you've been watching the news lately, you've seen mass shooting after mass shooting after mass shooting after mass shooting, and it's so easy to look at something like that and get angry. I can't believe this is happening. Why would somebody do that? All good questions. But instead, I believe God would say to us today, would you be willing to pray the prayer, God, break my heart for what breaks yours? The things that we see in lives around us, the things that we see in the world, the things that we see maybe behind closed doors in our own lives. They hurt us, they bring us pain, they're struggles of ours. But God's desire is that we begin to have our hearts broken for the things that break his heart in this world. It's the sole reason that Jesus Christ showed up onto the scene, to walk alongside people who were completely lost, just like we were, maybe just like we are, Maybe that's a present tense reality for you today. God is here. He's modeled for us what it's meant to look like. 
to truly find purpose and satisfaction and fulfillment in this world. This is the difference between saying that we know Jesus and showing that we know Jesus. And there is a difference. There's a picture on the screen you'll see. This was a few weeks ago. My family and I got the amazing privilege to visit a family that lives in Leesville, South Carolina. We drove down some dirt roads as a part of Thanksgiving family to family. Many of you may have participated in this Mount Horeb initiative. And we spent about 20 to 30 minutes getting to know this wonderful family. They have three young kids with more energy than me. I didn't think that was possible, but apparently it is. This is one of their children. And as soon as we left, I got this picture sent to me on my phone from the mother. She said, I want you to know that one of our kids, as soon as you guys left, walked over to the bag of goodies that you gave us for Thanksgiving, which had this nativity set in it, dug through the whole bag to find Jesus. And that's a sermon in and of itself right there. And once she did, she pulled out the nativity scene and started setting it up so beautifully like this on their, on their Christmas table. I show you that picture to say this, that going into this 30-minute encounter with this family. We'd never met any of these people. We didn't really know what we were getting ourselves into because we didn't know anything about their story, where they were in life, what, what was going on in their life. The only thing that we knew, which was then the only thing that allowed us to take that step of faith, was that we knew for sure whoever we're about to encounter is made in the image of the same God I'm made in. That's all we needed to know. You see, that might even be the make or break for us this Christmas. That might be the thing that has been holding us back that now will drive us forward with more rigorous pursuit of love, agape love, to share that with the world than anything has before. If we can come to that conclusion, that God has made and crafted every person in his image, whether they know it yet or not, we have the opportunity and the call and the privilege to take that step. I believe it's the one that God has given us this Christmas, and there's one more thing I'd love to tell you about is love. We could go on for hours, but agape love is not, bright, uh, not just bright, it's not just communal, it's also eternal. Agape love is eternal. You know, uh, in, in, in John 3.16, and I'll put it back up on the screen here in a moment. In John 3.16, the first part of that verse is the part that gets a lot of the attention, and that is that God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, into this very world to be a sacrificial picture of love. You see, this is actually something that Paul talks about. In 1 Corinthians 13, you may have heard this passage read at weddings. It's, it's, it's often read at weddings. In verse 13, this is how Paul concludes his writing on love. That's basically his topic in this whole chapter. He says, three things will last forever, faith hope, and love. But if I had to choose one of these, the greatest of these is love. The word love here is that same word, agape, love. You know, we love lots of things. We love Christmas lights that we'll get ready to see at people's houses soon. We love cookies that Santa Claus eats every single Christmas morning. We love eggnog, or maybe for some of you, if you love eggnog, I'm still praying for you because that's gross. But some of us love eggnog. We love lots of things, but this type of love is different because this type of love is unconditional. It's for all time. It's never failing. The Bible says it is eternal. John 3.16, the second part of John 3.16 is so extremely important. Jesus says that God sent his own son into the world talking about himself so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, 
but have eternal, everlasting, never-ending life. Life to the fullest. Life spent with God in a personal, personal way for all eternity, never-ending. The crazy thing to me about agape love that we just have to understand is that agape love doesn't just last for eternity. First and foremost, it has given us entrance into eternity. God's step toward us through Jesus Christ offered us life for eternity, but first there was a ball in our court. We had to accept it. We had to say yes. The offer was on a silver platter. It still is today. And even now in this place, God is saying, yes is the answer I have to hear. I want to hear. I need to hear. I've done everything. I've paid the price. I just need a yes. There might be two different yeses that are given in this room today. Some of you might give a yes that I just described. You've never heard the gospel presented like this before, or if you have, you've kind of just tuned it out. But today you've walked in, and if you're honest with yourself, you are at the end of yourself. You've tried everything. You've tried to solve your problems by trying to find temporary satisfaction. And trust me, I could go on for days and days and days about how I've tried those same sources. They all run dry. Every single one of them leaves you feeling empty after about five to 10 minutes. And the only place you have found yourself running back to are those same dry wells. Jesus Christ is here to give you living water this Christmas season. I promise that because he promised that. He's still promising that. And so maybe the second yes that you feel today that God is inviting you into is a yes to model what he's done through Jesus. And that is to take one simple step of faith, putting one foot in front of the other because you have that person's name in your head right now that God has put in your life. You know it to be true. And he's been inviting you day after day after day, season after season, to walk alongside that person in particular. There are many, many things that I want for Christmas. I've started to make a list. My mom has wanted me to really make a list, so I've made a list. The one thing I want more than anything is for people to understand the love of Jesus Christ. If that's the only thing on the list, it's the only thing eternal, so it's worth it. What is your yes today? What is the answer that you'll give God today? Knowing already as a fact that he has taken the first step toward you and I to show us his eternal love so that he may embrace us for all eternity. I want to read one more scripture verse to you before we close, and it's from one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. I say that about every chapter in the Bible. Revelation chapter 21. God brought this to my mind as I was preaching at nine o'clock, and I want to read it here again. Revelation 21. This is what the Bible says. John is writing a vision that he sees prophetically, which means that it's going to happen in the future. Even now in 2022, this is yet to happen. And here is what the Bible says. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain or cancer or disease or sin. None of it. It's all gone. That is what is to come in eternity. 
But speaking of our earthly life right now, all that's guaranteed is this very moment. And in this very moment, is God inviting you to give him an answer of some kind that is, yes, yes, I'll do it. I'll follow you. I'll follow you into the world, wherever you may lead. Believing that to be the case, I want to give you a few moments on your own right now. I don't want to, don't want to make this weird. Don't want this to be some drawn out time that's confusing. I want to give you just a few moments to communicate with God however you desire right now. That might be a question that you ask him. God, who in my life are you pointing me towards? Maybe it's a statement. Maybe it's very simple. Help. I need you. He'll listen to that. Whatever it is, we've already had a prayer time. I get that. I want to give you a few moments as we close. Whatever God has been stirring in your heart right now over the last 30 minutes or so, I want you to talk with him about it. I'm going to do the same thing, and I'll close this in prayer in a moment. As we're in this posture now with our eyes closed, I don't want to miss a moment that someone here may need to say yes to Jesus for the very first time. Many of us in this room, we've done that in the past. We've been following him ever since, but today maybe this is your Sunday. Maybe the evil one has had a hold on you and he's been dragging you down further and further and further and you feel like you're just getting farther away from where you should be in this very moment, all of it can change right now. You'll never be the same again. God will rescue you as he's sent through Jesus Christ. The offer is still on the table. You're not too far gone. No matter what you've done in the past, where you've been in the past, he's here right now and he's got you here in his house right now. That's all that matters. So if that's you today, would you lift your hand up? I want to pray for you. If you want to commit your life to Christ today, there's no shame in this. There's no guilt in this. This is just between you and God. I want to ask a second question. If you're here today and you felt God has been stirring, man, there's somebody in my life that I just got to go walk alongside. Nobody else is going to do it. God is clearly sending me to do that. Would you raise your hand today? Again, there's no judgment here for that. In fact, there's just celebration for that. If you feel like God is leading you towards someone today. That's a wonderful thing. Father, we recognize that you are good. You've been good all along, though we've gone astray, and we've done some poor things. Lord, we praise you in this place because for some reason or another, you've invited us back into your presence once again because that's the kind of God you are with the kind of love you intend to show us. Lord, I pray today for the person here today that knows they are in desperate need of Jesus Christ. We've all been there before, and you've rescued us from the traps that we have found ourselves caught in. 
Would you do it today? I pray they'd never be the same. Thank you that the devil will never get them back. Lord, we pray today for those of us who have been following you, but we know that the love of God is very, very, very clear in its call. And that is to go and show the love of God to the world that's hurting and broken. You have pointed us towards specific and wonderful people in our lives that we can walk alongside in their journey as well toward you. We pray that in this Christmas season, we would accept the call. We truly be merry and bright in a world that is hurting, broken, and dark. Thank you for the light of Christ. It's he that we celebrate this morning in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.